want answers? I think I'm entitled. You want answers? I want the truth! You can't handle the truth! Ricky Ross, Bowers, T-Pain. I got a fresh lineup, yeah, a fresh outfit. About to have a parking lot on Smash. Plus, I got a 7 with a 454 in the hood. That bitch got 125 on the dash. I'm the biggest boss that you've seen thus far. I'm the, I'm the biggest boss that you've seen thus far. I'm the biggest boss that you've seen thus far. Cause it's just another day in the life of the goddamn boss. Welcome to the Let's Be Honest podcast. I'm your host, Frank Styles, and we are here today on episode four, talking about what's up with the Waffle House and police brutality. And for those of you that uh, may not know, wondering where I came up with that title, there's a lot of instances that have been occurring at the Waffle House lately, from fights to two more popular incidences that have occurred. One where a young man who was escorting his sister to the prom was violently choked and slammed to the ground by police uh, here in North Carolina. And then there was also another instance in Alabama where a young lady was arrested by police, um, thrown to the ground, and as she was thrown to ground, exposed um, her, her in her chest area. So we're going to get into that and talk about it and uh, just see what's going on. But before I do that, we have a special co-host and guest with us today, Mr. Floyd Costner, who is... Uh, Basically, a veteran deals with law enforcement, and he's going to speak to us uh, to give us a little bit of his view and his expertise uh, in this area of police brutality. Floyd, what's going on with you today, man? Nothing much. What's going on with you? Man, long week. Happy that it's over with, and uh, we're going to talk a little bit about some of these things that are occurring across across the nation with, with police brutality. You know, you can go to YouTube and see a bunch of different things that um, where police in some instances are using excessive force and uh, we're just going to talk about the climate um, with these instances that are occurring so let me start off with you and ask your opinion just because um, you know with your law enforcement background um, being in the military um, you've heard about these two instances that we talked about in this in the beginning of the show how did you I feel yeah how did you feel when 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 you saw uh the, the the Waffle House incidents? I think in both cases, I think there was a little bit of uh, excessiveness in the force that was used. Um, I, I don't know all the details because a lot of times I feel like the media doesn't show both sides of the story, but I'm not condoning what the officers did. I just would like to know more details about it. I do feel, though, that, you know... Citizen encounters is is something that in law enforcement, I think, should be taught how to deal with people because everybody, just because they get a little irate, is not necessarily a criminal and may not need to be dealt with that way. But it's a twofold situation. You know, I see police brutality on one side, but then I see officers getting killed on another side. So I'm kind of a little indifferent on, on, on the subject, but... I think in that case, just sticking to the subject, I think in that case, I think especially the kid in North Carolina, I, I think it was a little excessive. Right, because it, like, it looked like in, uh, the, the kid actually admitted to, um, and we're going to play the clip so, so the uh, listeners can hear it, but the kid actually admitted to being a little belligerent um, with the Waffle House employee, which is how the whole thing started. Um, right. Basically, he got into an argument with the Waffle House employee. The police were called, 
but then the police, I guess they were telling him to, uh, to, to do something or giving him something to do, and he, he refused to do it. And um, you can just see the, the officer grabbing him. This is a small kid um, grabbing right him by there. his throat. His hand literally covered his throat. That's how small the kid was. It just slammed to the ground, and he then told him exactly. he couldn't breathe. So I think that was a little excessive, and I, I definitely want everyone to understand and know that I am for police officers. I know there are a lot of great police officers out there that do their job and do what they're supposed to do. But I agree. we also have to remember, too, though, there are certain things that we should make sure that we're on our P's and Q's um, in doing when a police, officer pull, a police officer pulls you over or if you encounter a police officer. Um, the big thing now, Floyd, though, is everybody wants to administer their rights when speaking with police. In some instances, it's justified, in my opinion. In some instances, it's not. But I definitely understand the police officer's view as well because they don't know what type of situation that they are encountering. So um, I, I, I look at that, and I think that I look on one end, on one end and I see – and, and I'm going to say a lot because of the media. I'm going to say that when a young black man might be approached by police, he's already on guard. And I'm not going to say he's being aggressive, but because of what's been going on lately, mm-hmm. he's already on guard. Doesn't mean he, he's, he wants to be aggressive. I'm not going to never say that because I've been involved in situations on both ends. But the police officer also approaching the situation may be thinking, and I'm not justifying them either. But maybe they're already on guard thinking that I'm already going to get attacked because of what's going on. Mm-hmm. And doesn't mean physically attacked. It could be verbally. It could be any other way. So I'm thinking that everybody's entering the situation on guard and nobody is coming to the situation with a attitude of calmness. Let's put it that way. Mm-hmm. I know I know an incident where a police officer a guy ran a red light or he ran a stop sign and a police officer seen it happen, approached the guy, just wanted to know why he ran a stop sign. And I guess the person in the car felt like, and then the police officer didn't know the guy had a warrant and nothing like that. He just wanted to really give the guy a warning, but the guy in the car felt like this is my last chance and pretty much came out on the attack. So, you know, when I'm, when I'm and I'm, I'm using that as a point to say if the guy would have just waited a few minutes and let the officer do what he was supposed to do, maybe the incident would have ended up that way. Because I think, you know, more people don't see the other side mm-hmm. of, of what officers have to go through and knowing that every situation, like you just said, they don't know what they're going to get into when they approach a person. It could be somebody just as calm. It could be somebody who is going to be on the attack. So looking at it from that standpoint, I feel like everybody, if they just maybe calmed down for a minute and, and took the appropriate steps, the situations would end up like they did. That's just my personal belief. I got you. I got you. And you're, you're, you're right. I mean, the media um, definitely, um, you know, you only see the incident. We don't know what occurred before then. Usually you have to get witnesses, and sometimes the media catches, you know, captures the witnesses. Sometimes they don't. So you're not sure exactly what occurred because I've seen some things like on YouTube and when I was just doing my research on this subject, um, I've seen some where I was like, eh, that one's questionable. But then I've seen some where, okay, you know, it, you, you see the stop from beginning to end. And at the end of the day, you have to understand that some cops, let's just be honest, 
um, some cops are just a-holes, you know, and, and that's just some, some do abuse their authority. Right. And, and that's just the way it is. So um, it, it's funny you, you mentioned um, what you mentioned about uh, the stop and the young man that got pulled over that had the warrant. Um, I was speaking with a young man in the barbershop a couple of weeks ago, and he had complained about police pulling him over um, consistently. And I just basically explained to him, you know, he, you know, he said he immediately got an attitude. And that goes back to what you were saying about they're already on guard just because of what's occurring right now. Right. Um, but I explained to the young man, that there are a couple of things that you can do. One is always be courteous and respectful when they pull you over, right? Because mm-hmm. as soon as you get an attitude, they're going to have an attitude and they're going to try to detain you even longer or try to find any little thing that they potentially can find to detain you or give you a ticket or potentially arrest you if you have an issue. Um, So I explained that to him. I also told him always when he's riding in his car, make sure everything is where it needs to be. Make sure your insurance is, you know, in line, make sure your registration is in line, make sure your car is clean. Right. Because a lot of times, especially for young black males, if a police officer pulls you over, that cop is speaking to you, but he's also looking into your car, trying to see if he can notice anything um, to give him just cause to detain you. Um, and then the, right. th- the third thing is just, you know, use common sense. You know, if you know that you've been doing something that you don't have any business doing, whether it's smoking, drinking, whatever the case may be, you know, don't get in your car and drive because then you give them that opportunity to detain you and possibly arrest you. So, you know, he listened and um, he understood it. And he said, I never looked at it that way. I said, you, you just have to understand. You have to be calm. Because as long as you're relaxed, they're relaxed. But as soon as you heighten your intensity, they're going to heighten their intensity. And then it's just human nature that kicks in from there. We can't control our emotions because we don't know what's going to happen. Right. Right. I, I know that um, there is a lot of training going on for police officers. It may have not hit every officer yet. And the training talks about dealing with the public. And not from a negative standpoint. I think that it it's what this training is focused on is making the officer understand that just like they may have a bad situation or a bad day, certain people may have a bad day and they may not have the intent on doing anything wrong or being disrespectful. It's just that some situations don't require as much um, force as others. And I'm also going to say that sometimes, and, and and I'll speak candidly, I think sometimes some officers do walk around with a chip on their shoulder and some of them do walk around like, well, you're not going to disrespect me no matter what. I think that's a problem that needs to be dealt with within certain individuals. And I think that when it comes to uh, law enforcement management, upper management, they need to recognize and deal with that and then also have training towards developing these officers, you know, or finding out what the real problem is that's going on with some of these officers. I personally, and I, and I could say this from a personal standpoint, I dealt with a loss because of an officer's uh, failure to follow procedure. Mm-hmm. And being in law enforcement, it's hard for me to, to understand um why they broke procedures because I've been always one who followed procedures when I was in law enforcement, but also understanding that some officers are just like that. It doesn't mean I'm for them. I'm totally against it, but I can understand on both ends and see why sometimes it happens. Right. 
and depending on the situation. But I think that there's there there is training happening. Has it gotten to every department yet? No. Um, I know that some of the places that I've worked, it has happened, and there is an accountability in place for officers who cross the line. Right. I don't think the media is much focusing on that. They do focus on the one or two or four or five who get through the system as far as when it comes to, um, let's say, in certain cases where young black men or young men were were killed anyway, Mm -hmm. and an officer who was from the public view was blatantly wrong and still got away with it. So it just depends on the totality of the situation, which we don't see that side of it. But in the public eye, I think they look at it like every officer should be held accountable. And most of them, and I'm going to say the majority of them should be right somewhere in the system, just like a defense attorney can get off a criminal who, who may have murdered a thousand people. Mm-hmm. Some of them find loopholes in the system to get these officers off. Right. And it's funny. You it doesn't mention- mean that they don't live with a little regret, but they do. Right. Right. It's funny. You mentioned that because we got some um, statistics uh, on that. It says that police officers are indicted in fewer than 1% of killings, but the indictment rate for civilians involved in a killing is 90%, which is, um, you know, crazy. Um, right. On average, in the United States, a police officer takes the uh, the life of a citizen every seven hours, and those are f- considered fatal encounters. And then right. um, another one that really stood out to me was 52% of police officers report that it is not unusual for law enforcement officials to turn a blind eye to the improper conduct of other officers. Now, I want to touch on that a little bit um, mm-hmm. because in some of these videos, and, and, and again, you know, I know this, this is not uh, all law enforcement, you know, here in North Carolina, uh, in the city of Greensboro, you know, uh, the relationship um, here with the police officers and, and the community, I would say is pretty good. They, they're ramping up where they're going out to the community, meeting with the people that live in those communities. But why do you think it's, you, you always hear about the blue wall of silence. Why do you think, um, and I was talking about those videos, because in some of the videos I saw where the police officer was abusing that person and the partners, you know, and then the backup shows up and they don't push him back. They don't hold him back. They don't do anything. And they are being recorded, and they know they're being recorded, and they still continue to abuse them. If you remember, there was an incident, uh, I think it was last week or two weeks ago in Florida, where the police had, um, I don't know if the guy had ran, I'm not sure what the situation was, but they had um, had the guy pinned on the ground. The police officer comes in out of nowhere and just kicks the guy in the head, right? Um, which is definitely unacceptable. So why do you think there's Definitely. such a code of silence? Is that something in, in, in the training piece of becoming a police officer that they tell you it's a brotherhood, we have to look at out for each other, et cetera, et cetera, and it's, and it's pushed to the extreme? I'll, I'll say this, that um, it's not in the training. It's definitely not in the training um, as far as that code of silence. I think when you're out there, and and I, I'm only going to speak from – my personal opinion, not the opinion of others, but I think in certain cases when you're out there and you're relying on that person um, to have your back and save your life, just like they may rely on you to save their life, maybe there's a sort of uh, unwritten rule that, okay, I'll deal with you, 
but right now we're going to deal with this situation. So instead of acting up on the scene and my partner is in the middle of something that I feel is, is questionable um, and he's doing and he's not following procedures, I will follow him and I will back him up to an extent mm-hmm. until he maybe gets a little bit abusive in the situation and it looks like it's going to go the wrong way. And back when we get back in the locker room, right. him and I are going to talk about it because that part is going to be dealt with. And then when it comes to management dealing with it, then I'm going to have to tell what happened. Mm-hmm. And then that person will get disciplined in the process. The problem is in the past, and I've seen it happen in the past, where you would be either blackballed or you would be either kind of kind of shunned out from that 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 group of of officers that you may you know have that that camaraderie with because you failed you stuck to your guns and 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 stuck a procedure and i think some officers don't know how to deal with that peer pressure that peer pressure of being you know casted out of Mm -hmm. the group and and that's like i said that's something that is being addressed nowadays but it hasn't filtered down through the system long enough because you got to think about it police brutality has been going on for in this country for years right long before social media brought it to the light and now everybody can see every incident as soon as it happens before you only saw certain things that filtered through the process and eventually got to the media now it's people with cameras And now the world is being really, their eyes are being opened to what's going on on both ends. Mm -hmm. So now that that police departments and and other law enforcement agencies have to deal with it immediately. And and some, just like any other thing, it takes a while for it to filter through the system. Right. You know, if that makes sense. So I'm, I'm, you know, I'm speaking and saying that just as much as, this happening on the other end, and, and just as the statistics might say um, that one percent of officers are pretty much indicted in any situation, it's usually because maybe I would I would say that procedures were followed, mm-hmm. and and the situation may have went left. A lot of those procedures are changing mm-hmm. because of the way the world is changing today. So, right, I guess it just depends. Right. Um, another interesting t- statistic indicates 84 of 84% of police officers have stated in a recent survey that they have directly witnessed a fellow officer using more force than was necessary. And that comes from the U.S. Department of Justice. Um, right. So you, you, have, you, you have a number of officers out there um, using force more than needed. Um, I think that goes back to what you were talking about, the, the chip on the shoulder, the, uh, the authoritarian, uh, type deal. Yes. You're authority. You're, you, you have some, you have authority to uphold the law, but that doesn't mean that you can abuse a person in order right. to withhold the law. Right. Um, and, and, and that's two sided because the other person, just because I can abuse them. And it's funny because most people know now what officers can and cannot do in any situation. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, our, our use of force, uh, continuum and the, and the steps of force that can use depending on the person's actions. And we have certain things that we can do depending on what this person does. So before we even get to the point of an officer drawing his weapon, there's many levels that they have to go through. But then in some situations, it's zero to 60. So it's like 
I may not, let's see, deadly force may not be authorized in this situation, but this person may jump out of this car coming at me with a knife and, or what I may believe to be a knife, then, you know, I have to jump straight to deadly force. Right. You know, I, I look at a lot of statistics and I say this, if you look at, uh, Maybe 2017, 120 officers were killed um, during the, during their duties. Uh, and 2659. I think some officers feel like I don't want to be that statistic. Right. I, I got to get home to my family at the end of the day. And a lot of officers, I'm not going to say they're not bad ones out there. Mm-hmm. But in certain situations, when the adrenaline's flowing and you really don't, you know, and and being in it, you really don't have time to to think maybe as fast and, and I'll describe a perfect situation for you where I work. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to say where I work right now. Guy walks through the front door with the paper, with a plastic Walmart bag on his hand mm-hmm. and he raises his hand and start pointing at the officers. These two officers fortunately didn't draw their weapons and shoot, but they would have been perfectly authorized to do so. Mm-hmm. But in the after action review of it all, if they would have done that, the public would have said they shot an unarmed man. This man had a plastic orange water gun in the bag, but you couldn't see it through the bag. Mm. All he's pointing at the officers like he's finished our shooting. Now, sometimes they'll call that suicide by cop or somebody who wants to end their life. Mm-hmm. But in that situation, if they would have shot him, which they would have been perfectly authorized based on the situation. Mm-hmm. Once the public got wind of it, it would have been another unarmed youth shot. You know, so I'm not I'm not going to say every situation we have to know the details of every situation doesn't mean they go bad, but we need to know the details on both ends. Right. Right. And most recently um, in your state uh, and we're we're going to play the clip uh, for the Waffle House uh, for the listeners here in a minute. But um, in your state recently, uh, the story of the 65 year old woman that was drugged from her car from a traffic stop. Um, mm-hmm. now, and I know, uh, is, is, is Dulles, uh, close in your area? Uh, Cause there's so many different parts of Atlanta. Is, 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 is Dulles close right. in your area? Not close to me, no. Okay. Okay. Uh, it was in Dulles, Georgia. I, I, I saw that. And or Dallas, Georgia. Dal- okay. Dallas, Georgia. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. um, it, it appeared that, so make me understand, cause in the state of Georgia, then, and correct me if I'm wrong, in the state of Georgia, when they pull you over, uh, for a lane violation or any type of traffic violation in the state of Georgia, they give you a citation from which you you sign the citation, but it does it's not an admission of guilt. It's just a, a form of saying that you understand you've been pulled over for this reason. Then you need to show mm-hmm. up in court or have your attorney show up in court. Yeah. Correct. What what that what that what you're signing is that you're acknowledging that you gave me the citation and you advised me of my court date. Okay. Okay. That's what it says. Gotcha. It's not an admission of guilt. Okay. So obviously, now this is an older lady who happened to be a Lyft driver, and I think she had a passenger with her. Um, uh, She didn't understand that because uh, you hear her talk about she felt that it would be an admission of guilt by signing it. Right. Where do you think that went wrong? Because it went from her not understanding until to uh, full blown out her getting drugged from the car. I think it, I, I think it went wrong where, and, and, I've issued citations and if a person didn't sign it, so what you got it, it's on camera that you got it. You're mm-hmm. still coming to court. So it doesn't matter to me if they sign it or not. I think it went wrong where maybe that particular officer felt like you're going to do what I tell you versus not what you want to do. And you're going to sign this. And then 
as words got thrown back and forth, I, I feel like he probably went too far. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that, and I'm not going to say she was wrong because, you know, when, you, when you're dealing with, um, and I have nothing against my elderly people in this country. I love them all. Right. I think the country needs to do more for them, but they've, you got to understand what they've been through and what they've seen through their lives. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And maybe that played a part and what they see now in social media, because they've experienced things. And when it comes to police brutality that we never heard of. Right. But because of, because of social media now, they're seeing as much police brutality as they saw with their own eyes when they were younger. So maybe she had an attitude of, I don't have to do this and you can't make me. And that does not make her wrong. Mm hmm. It just makes it more for that officer who maybe his attitude now was like, and a lot of officers feel that way that because I'm a police officer, you're going to do what I tell you. And that's not necessarily true. A person does not have to do everything you tell them to do. There are certain things that you have to comply to. Mm -hmm. And when it comes to the law, and if I ask you to, um, depending on the situation, exit your vehicle and certain things. Yeah, you have to do that. But in a situation where she just wouldn't sign the ticket, you could have said, okay, ma'am, see you later. See right. you in court. Right. Right. And be done with it. Yeah. Because, you know, and, you know, to and your then point, she could have, right. Yeah. Cause the citation, I mean, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you, but to your point, no, you're good. the citation is in the system. Right. So if she doesn't yeah. show up to court, there's going to be a warrant. And it's on camera that he handed it to her. Right. Right. So that brings me up to something that I just thought about in, in, in just listening to your response on that question. Um, do you feel that more police officers need to, there needs to be maybe a law or a, a rule um, that they have to be a citizen when they're dealing, uh, uh, I mean, not a citizen, I'm sorry. Uh, they have to be a citizen of that um, city where they're living before they can be uh, become a police officer. So in other words, um, uh, I'm a police officer in Buffalo, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but before, but I live in Buffalo. I mean, I'm sorry, I don't live in Buffalo. I'm a police officer, city of Buffalo, but I live in Amherst, which is a suburban mm-hmm. um, city right. far away from the city. You know, do you think that they should be made to live uh, in a in, in the city to interact more? You know where I'm going with this to interact more with the people that they are going to be policing. Because, in my opinion, and it's unfortunate that we have to talk about it this way, um, in, in black and white, you have some white people that don't interact with blacks. So if you've never inter- if you if you've never interacted with blacks because of where you live, um, and then you're a police officer, your thought process on that person may be totally different than someone who lives in the city that may be white and interacts with black people all the time. Um, So do you think that that something like that would help? Because unfortunately, there is a prejudice when it comes to those type of situations. Coming from Buffalo and knowing how Buffalo is structured, Mm -hmm. I can agree with that Mm -hmm. in a certain sense. I don't think maybe you need to become a citizen of that city, but maybe in your training or in your FTO training or your field training officer Mm -hmm. needs to do a better job of training you to deal with certain situations because it doesn't matter. If, I mean, you know, black, white, blue, or purple, there are neighborhoods that you can go to that you're not familiar with and familiar with dealing with those people. Right. So it can be from 
the worst projects in the city of Buffalo or the worst trailer park in Hamburg, New York. Right. So it depends on what you're dealing with when you're dealing with a certain um, element. And I'm not going to label anybody because it, it's it's spread out. Diversity spread out everywhere. But I'm going to say in, in learning your environment as a police officer, your field training officer needs to let you know, OK, let's calm down a little bit and let's talk about it and let's do some real training. Let's say, for example, that officer from Amherst or from Tonawanda or somewhere out there in Grand Island comes to Buffalo to be a police officer. And all he's ever saw in his life was movies about gangs and movies about this. And a lot of times these movies out here give a false material of what really happens. But he already has the attitude and he's profiling himself saying, OK, this person's got on a hoodie. He's dressed a certain way. He's in a certain neighborhood. He's going to be this way. Stereotype. I think that that profiling that happens sometimes and it happens consciously and subconsciously that we need to. uh address those issues in law enforcement need to, those issues need to be addressed first it's no different than somebody who is muslim walking through the airport dressed the way they should be dressed according to their religion and everybody's automatically focusing eyes on them because they think he's a terrorist mm -hmm. it's really no different we have to do a better job and training towards the racial profile and towards the the profiling period in any situation so that an officer is not approaching every situation on the defense. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. The one thing I get tired of hearing is, um, um, one, um, more recently, you know, with everything, with the acts of terrorism that we've had in this country, um, and I know they get tired of hearing, but, you know, like you mentioned, you know, Muslims, um, you know, that's the first thing that people think, right? Um, mm -hmm. You know, if you're on a plane and, and someone comes in and, you know, in the traditional Muslim garb, that's, you know, right. you know that's what people are thinking, and right. I, I, I do get it subconsciously. That's what you're thinking, but that doesn't mean it. Um, right. But, you know, the other thing that I get tired of hearing uh, a lot of police officers and, and it's and it's unfortunately to a point, it's true when you talk about black on black crime. Um, well, you know, mm -hmm. Chicago is a main a main um, uh, one of the places they always bring up about black on black crime. Um, you know, and unfortunately, you know, my my detour to that is the reason I get tired of hearing is you put anybody um, in a situation where they are um, impoverished, don't have access to health care, don't have access to what other people have access to. Um, it doesn't matter if they're black. It doesn't matter what it is. Any race of people to survive are going to either turn on each other to survive or they're going to find another way to survive. So when they say black on black crime, that really, really gets me upset because I get what they're saying, and yes, they're they're doing you know things against each other. But at the same time, those are a certain group of people in, that's been in that same area for years, and they're impoverished. Right. And so when they don't have access to some of the means that we may have access to, you're going to have those issues. But it doesn't matter that they're black. It can be you can put a white group of people there as well in the same situation, and it's the right. same situation. We're people. It's human nature. Um, but that's what a, it's no it's no it's no different than. Um, in Puerto Rico, I think it was Hurricane Irma, which one of the hurricanes that knocked out all the power to the island. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And even now to this day, you, you hear about the stories about how power's back and, and certain things are going on now. But what they don't show is the 50, 50, 53% of people 
who still have no power, who still are living in poverty, who are already lower income anyway. Mm-hmm. And now that that, that looting and, and crime is happening because you put up any any human, it doesn't matter who they are in a certain situation and and you take away all their resources, they're going to protect themselves. They're going to to their survival skills are going to come out and they got to do what they got to do to survive. So when you take away certain things from certain people or never give them certain things, then naturally their their instinct is going their survival instincts are going to kick in. So I agree with that mm-hmm. to an extent. I get tired of hearing those things too. I have dealt with officers in in um, you know in the past and in previous uh, roles that I've been in who have entered situations with that mentality that oh I'm in this neighborhood I'm with this person or this guy intent is no good right now. Mm-hmm. And I tell them, you don't know. So let's not approach it with a negative, with, with, with already on the defense or a negative way of saying, okay, this guy's automatically going to be trouble. No, let's see. Let's just talk to him first. Right. And you'll come to find out that he's a level headed, well educated person, no matter what color he is. And he just chooses to display himself a certain way. It doesn't make him a criminal. Right. You know, and, and I think a lot of that needs to happen more in law enforcement. I think that when when you partner up with somebody or you're in certain areas that it needs to the approach needs to be different. And like I said, there is training going on to help that right now. How long is that going to take before the numbers change? Who knows? OK, well, while we're on that, um, we've been talking about uh, the uh, Waffle House incidents and uh, mm-hmm. here on Let's Be Honest. And we um we have uh, Mr. Floyd Costner with us, who is in law enforcement, and uh, just going back and forth talking about police brutality and what the expectations are of, of the police, what they can, what they cannot do. And uh, we're going to go ahead and pull up the clip, um, and this is courtesy of ABC News, just discussing the uh, Waffle House incident. The controversial scene outside of Waffle House, a piece of video tonight and a police takedown already under investigation. A young African-American man, unarmed, he'd just taken his younger sister to her school dance. An officer is seen with a hand to the young man's neck. He is then slammed to the ground. Tonight, we have just heard from Waffle House, which was already in the news after another controversial police arrest. ABC's Chief Justice Correspondent Pierre Thomas leading us off. Tonight, outrage growing after this confrontation caught on cell phone video. A police officer wrestling with 22-year-old Anthony Wall, who had taken his younger sister to the prom. He's still wearing his tuxedo vest. The two siblings seen here earlier arguing with the Waffle House staff. The police are called. We don't know what happened next, but here we see that officer grabbing Wall's neck. I was pretty much trying to scream for air and to breathe because he was holding my throat so that I pretty much that's when I got aggressive with him because you are choking me. Wall then ends up on the ground as the officer tries to handcuff him. Get your hands off me. Get your hands off me. Get your sister back Get your hands off me. Wall says he accepts responsibility for being rowdy in the restaurant. I think I went overboard as far as like me going back and forth with them. It could have been avoided. Um, but at that time I was angry because of how we was treated. But he also says the officer went too far. I'm not trying to be a person that die out here or anything like that. I just want you to stop choking me. Wall was charged with disorderly conduct and resisting arrest. The case is now under investigation as authorities assess whether there was excessive force. 
Waffle House says their CEO spoke to Wall today by phone to apologize and to check in on him. This comes less than three weeks after another controversial arrest in a Waffle House in Alabama, where police pulled a woman off a chair and onto the floor. Pierre Thomas with us live tonight, and Pierre, we've now heard from Waffle House, but we're also hearing from Bernice King, the daughter of Martin Luther King Jr. She's calling for a boycott of Waffle House. That's right, David. Bernice King is tweeting tonight, family, let's stay out of Waffle House until they start to implement changes. David? All right, and there you heard it. That was the, uh, that was the clip. Um, Floyd, did you get that? Did you hear, were you able to hear that? Yeah, yeah, I got that. Okay. So it was, it was interesting. Um, it, it's funny because uh, that goes back to what you were saying earlier. Um, we don't know what happened, and they even mentioned we don't know what happened between the time that he was arguing with the Waffle House person um, until the police yeah. arrived. But clearly, um, and you can check it out on YouTube, it's, it's out there. I mean, this officer, this is a big officer, and the kid, very, very small, his whole hand was wrapped around his neck, and you couldn't even see his neck, and then he just slammed him to the ground. Um, I think sometime in those instances, you're dealing with a 16-year-old kid, right? right? He's already belligerent. He's already upset about, he said, as what he said was, I did. He said, I take responsibility for what I did inside. He said, but it was because of the way he was treated. But right. you got to calm him down. This is a 16-year-old kid that obviously just came from the prom. You see he still has his tuxedo on, and you slammed him to the ground, and you arrest him, you know, for disorderly conduct right. and, and, and not, and not uh, you know, abiding to what the police officer was telling you to do. Um, I think that's a little extreme. Um, same thing with the, uh, the one uh, in Alabama. You can see the young lady asking, what did she do? Um, I think – and, and this goes back to, this is what I thought about uh, a couple of, last month in Sacramento when the young man was killed in his own backyard holding his cell phone. These right. call-ins that come in, when they get these calls from these people, they need to, and, and, and I, I know it's hard, but there's got to be a way to confirm what you're reporting. Do you understand what I'm saying? Like, you know, so so because it's almost it's like like when a teacher used to tell you about a rumor, you you say one thing and you tell someone else and you tell someone else and you tell someone else. And by the time it gets to the next person, it's this huge thing. And I sort of think that's what happens with some of these calls. You know, you, you, you have someone calling saying, hey, we got this guy up here yelling and, and arguing. But that person might the guy just might be yelling. But that person on the phone might say, hey, he's up here being belligerent. He's throwing chairs, you know, just to get the police there. Next thing you know, the police are right. like, we got, you know, this is, this is something, you know, this guy's being violent. And they go into the situation thinking this is what happened rather than try to find out what occurred, you know, and, and, and then try to deescalate the situation. Um, I don't know, man. It's, it's a tough one, you know, just like, I, I, I don't know. I think that, you know, we could Monday morning quarterback any situation out there after it has happened. We always say, what we could do, but what we would have done. Mm -hmm. But at the moment when decisions have to be made instantly, the thought process that you go through. Yeah. Uh, and I'm not going to condone anybody's behavior. I'm not condoning officer. I'm not saying that this young man was right or wrong mm -hmm. because we don't know the three minutes before between the time, what we don't see in the videos, what happened in the waffle house. Right. And then what led to them being outside, we see the officer approaching, we see the, uh, 
we see the officer wrapping the, his, his hand around the guy's neck, which in, in the situation was a pretty large officer and a smaller kid in that situation. I probably would have been a little bit different, but I can only speak what I would have done. doesn't make me right or wrong either. Mm-hmm. It's just saying that I feel that that's why a lot of the training that's going on now is happening that people don't see behind the scenes. Now, can we weed out every bad officer eventually? Hopefully it'll happen one day. Can we weed out those who are on the fence? in certain situations, but a lot of times we hear the opposite end. Mm-hmm. We hear, um, we hear about the officers that were killed in line of duty based on this, or let's say, for example, the number one reason most officers are killed in line of duty is domestic violence. Because when you approach some of these homes and, and it could be a wife or a husband that may have called the police because they feel like they're being abused or something happened, they got into a fight. But then the minute the officers get there, and we arrest whatever person who we feel committed the offense. And, and, and 75% of the time, it's usually the male that gets arrested or gets removed from the home. The next thing you know, the woman comes out and wants to fight the officer because now they're seeing their husband being incarcerated. It's like, well, you called and now this happened. Or vice versa, when the woman's being arrested or in any situation, when the other person, when that other partner's being arrested, it changes the situation. A lot of officers have been shot, killed, and stabbed in those situations. Right. So when when an officer approaches a situation, they have to, and, and I'm not going to say they have to, they, and maybe they should approach it from a de-escalating standpoint versus an escalating standpoint. In other words, we're already on guard because we don't know. Mm-hmm. You know, like I say, there's a lot of officers been killed in line of duty. Everybody wants to make it home to their family, and so do the people who are being arrested. They just want to get back to their family, too. Right. But I think that they should enter the situation and say, okay, let me assess it first. Okay. Because that's one of the things we were taught. Let me assess the situation first. Let me look at what's going on. Mm-hmm. And then I'm going to intervene versus just running up on guard. Right. Now uh, there's some that are overzealous. Yes, there are. Mm-hmm. But the majority of officers, and, and I'll say the majority of them are not, they're right. going to approach the situation different. Right. Right. I saw, um, I saw I saw a video and it went it must have went viral on Facebook or something the other day, but it was actually in Cobb County, um, Georgia, and um, I don't know if you saw this one, but uh, the young man and his fiance she was I think she's five months pregnant, and uh, they had pulled into their um, their pulled into their home into their driveway of their home, and apparently mm-hmm. right up the street from their house there's a stop sign, and so mm-hmm. the cops said that they ran the stop sign. And the young man was in, it picks up where they got him pulled over. The young man is in the middle of his yard and he's basically saying, you know, you're saying I ran a stop sign. Why are you stopping me? I'm at home. He says, you didn't, you didn't stop me until, you know, I pulled into my driveway. He's like, I saw you right behind me. Why would I run a stop sign? And I saw you. He's like, I didn't run a stop sign. The point that I'm getting at here is to make a long story short, I'm watching that officer because as the person that he's talking to he's he's you know his voice is getting high he's angry he's excited that officer now is getting nervous you look at his body language while he's standing there his leg you know he's standing there but he's he's moving from side to side um you know he had his he had his uh taser out um and he's moving from side to side he's moving side to side his leg is shaking and then he stops and he's shaking his leg you know, that's that whole human nature thing that I was, that I was talking about. You can't control how you're going to react and what you said. And, you know, it's easy to say, quarterback the thing and say, hey, I'm going to do it this way. But 
you don't know what this guy's going to do. Well, I don't know if this guy's got a gun on him. I don't, you know, so I get that part about it. But the thing that, 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 that really surprised me. And, and, and I think this young lady had every right to be upset One, she's pregnant. So she's probably, you know, very, very easy to, you know, not too hard to get upset. Um, emotional, emotional, very, very emotional. But the thing was they did bring in about 20 cops, um, to her home, which is what she was talking about. She's like, all of this for a traffic stop. There's 20 of y'all. They even had the canine dog out there. Um, and he eventually went away because she went off on him. You know, she was so was like, really, why is the K-9 here? Um, and eventually, um, I think a supervisor showed up, and he tried to calm her down, but she was so upset he couldn't. He, he said, let me explain to you why there are so many of us here. And I guess that's based on what he called in. I, I'm assuming that's how it works um, mm-hmm. because they just kept coming, you know, on the call. And it must have been one of the calls where, you know, he was nervous. He was afraid that something was going to happen. Neighbors are coming out looking. He didn't know what situation he was in, and it was just him. And so, you know, she was just going in. Um, she counted all the cars. There were about 14 cop cars out there. Um, but, I mean, you know, it's a stop. You know, it's a traffic stop. I think what the young man could have done was, hey, you you said I ran the stop sign. Okay, but, you know, but, you know, what? why are you pulling me over here? You know, he asked for the driver's license and and all that stuff. He said he didn't even know what was at and was in his car. But he was so upset and so angry that he was pulled over. That cop now has taken out his taser, and you don't know what's going through his head. So at the same time, we as civilians have to be calm as well um, and not think that every cop is there to, you know, to do something to us or um, just to stop us for no reason. Does it happen? Absolutely. But a lot of times, um, there's a, there's there's some reason, you know, that they that they may be pulling you over. Right. I think like um, and and I'll say this: there was an incident um that happened to a, a friend of mine, or a, a really close friend of mine, just recently here, and you could probably look it up the video, uh, in College Park, Georgia, where her son was pulled over at three o'clock in the morning, um, for suspected DWI or, or DUI, and the uh, officer approached him and just wanted to give him a field sobriety test. And like I said, we could money money quarterback it all day long. Wanted to give him a field sobriety test, but we, I, like I said, I don't know what happened between the time of that sobriety test mm-hmm. and what happened. I know the video showed the officer did have his taser out, but the guy runs at the officer, grabbed the taser, snatched from the officer and they got into a confrontation where you would see in the video where the, the guy actually overpowered the officer, picked him up, slammed him to the ground. And eventually the officer was able to get to his weapon and he shot four times, hitting the guy twice. The guy still got up, got in his car and drove off and maybe crashed about 200 feet down the street. And that's when I guess he passed away from oh my the wounds he suffered from the gunshot. Mm-hmm. My point is in that situation, as an officer, first thing you're thinking is first thing you're thinking is my life. Right. You know, this guy snaps the taser. He can he can disable me with that taser because in 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 the training, every every uh, piece of equipment, with the exception of the duty weapon itself, mm-hmm. is actually used on the officer. So when you go through the training with the taser, you have to be tased. When you go through training with pepper spray, you have to be pepper sprayed. Right. So you can know what you're putting that citizen through when it happens. Um, but in that situation, you know, when it first hit the media, the first thing was said was another unarmed man shot by police. 
So now everybody's on the defense. Everybody's like, oh, my God, here we go again. And then when the video came out and we saw what happened now, you don't hear about the story. Just so and that's what I mean. That's what I mean about the media. Once they found out, oh, we don't have a story, we leave them up. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But nobody wants to come back and say it was justified. Nobody wants to come back and say, and I'm not saying he was justified because I don't know all the details. Right. But nobody wants to come back and explain that side of it. Right. You know what I mean? Right. And and then they take, um, I'll say this: they take certain clips that that you know, and people have to be careful what they say. You know, in the media. Even even in law enforcement, they take certain clips and the media will use that one clip versus the whole story to emphasize or help their story and what they're trying to say. Because to me, at the end of the day, it's all about getting ratings mm-hmm. and they know what people want to pay attention to, especially nowadays. Right. You don't hear about the good stories as much as the bad. Right. And like I said, there are a lot of great police officers out there. I know a few um, here in North Carolina and just good people, you know. Um, mm-hmm. You know, you have to really, at, at least speaking here uh, in the city of Greensboro, you have to really um, be doing something um, for the police to pull you over. You know, right. and the fact that the police chief has come on and said that we're going to have these workshops and we're going to get out in the community, um, mm-hmm. you know, um, so that we don't have a, a Ferguson situation. So we don't have right. situations across the country where people are coming in and on a town and, you know, they're right. protesting for police brutality. Um, so I think that that's a step getting out of the community is right. really, really important because whether you're black, I mean, white, we, blue, we or have green. a, you're right. Sorry to cut you no, off. We right. have a coffee with the cop program here mm-hmm. where, you know, police officers are trying to get out and talk to the people, talk to the community and relate on a more uh, common ground. Right. So everybody drinks coffee. So they might be at your local Starbucks or Dunkin' Donuts or even McDonald's and, you know, you know, it's, it's a chance for you to interact and respond and talk to me. You can ask candid questions. Yeah. So a lot of departments here are doing that. That's good. But man. like I said, getting through that process of and OK, and, and, and I'm going to say this real quick, getting through that process of of trying to weed out those who think every situation is going to be bad. I mean, I tell my kids, especially my boys, you know, first of all, you don't need to be walking down the street at three o'clock in the morning. And I'm not saying that you're up to no good. Right. I'm just saying that it's going to be portrayed that way. We got to try to find a way to get our young people home. And, and, and hanging out till certain hours of the night and you're walking home doesn't mean that you're up to anything, need no good, but it's going to be portrayed that way. And, and, and that's a, as much as I hate to say it, that's, society today that's just the media has made it that way in every situation there are certain there may be a certain group of 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 kids like let's say in here i am in fayetteville georgia very rarely do you hear about a lot of crime here in fayetteville but lately we've had a string of car break-ins where a group of teenagers are running around just pulling on doors hoping that they could break in the car and find something Mm -hmm. so with that happening and the description of these teenagers being put out when an officer sees a young man at three o'clock in the morning, but no matter what color he is, he's going to ask him a question because yeah. there's a reasonable suspicion involved there. Right. You know what I mean? It may not be a probable cause, but there's a reasonable suspicion that I need to ask you, why are you out here? Right. Are you lost? Do you need help getting home? Did your car break down down the street? And maybe that person just be like, I'm walking home. And I'm saying, okay, cool. And he may get followed for a while to make sure, but it's because of something that may have happened before. Mm-hmm. It's not necessarily that the officer has the intent of going, I'm, I'm out just looking for somebody and that's causing trouble. It's just that, hey, I, the citizens who are good 
and 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 those citizens who want to say, well, why isn't the officer here protecting my house? Why isn't the officer here making sure these people get caught? It's 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 kind of like on both ends. You hear it from both ends. Yeah, I need to be a certain way when I interact with people, but those people who are sitting in homes that don't watch the news, that don't know what's going on out here, are calling in saying, we need more police presence, we need more of this in our neighborhoods. But then when they give it, it's like now the police are, you know, they're looking for something. Right. So you have two sides. Right, absolutely. And and that's what I was going to say earlier um, about the policing in the community and getting out to the community. It doesn't matter what color you are. We all want to be protected because we know that there are right. bad people out there. That's the point of having the police there. So, exactly. you know, we all want to be protected. Um, but I got two interesting stats for you um, and as we segue into the, the second part of of our conversation uh, regarding the 65-year-old woman uh, that was drugged from her, from her vehicle. Um, I have a stat here that says where you live matters when it comes to police brutality. If you're an African-American or black individual, then you are seven times more likely to be killed by a police officer in Oklahoma than you are if you lived in Georgia. And that's coming from, um, that stat comes from mapping police violence. And then you remember, remember earlier we were talking about the whole Chicago, we, we, we both agreed we, we get tired of hearing that statistic. We hear about Chicago, black on black crime, black on black crime, black on black crime. Although Chicago draws a lot of attention due to its total number of murders, including a threat from the executive office to bring uh, the feds in, and in 2017, um, it ranked 25th in the 100 largest U.S. U.S. cities for police officers killing African Americans, um, uh, black men, and that's also from mapping uh, police violence. So you hear all those things, but it's like ranked number 25. You know, um, right. that says a lot. That means that they're trying to, in my opinion, again, what to your point about media, trying to portray it as this is where it's at. This is what's going on, which leads me up to another question that I had for you and your thought um, on this. Um, with the political climate and in, in, in what we have in office right now, um, based on our political leadership we have in office right now, do you think that that's the reason police officers get away with this type of behavior uh, that's occurring? Because if you remember, uh, the president, um, I don't know, you may remember this, this might've been earlier, uh, this year. I'm not sure where it was. I know it was in New York city. Um, yeah. and I don't know if he was joking or not, but you know, with, you know, with his past, you know, with the type of history he has, I don't, I don't, right. I, didn't, I didn't find it funny, but he was at a police, uh, union speaking engagement. Let's just say that. And he told police officers, don't be afraid to rough them up as they're getting in the car. He, I think he mentioned drug dealers and, and some other stuff. Um, right. Now, the police chief later came out that day and said, that's not, <laughs> that's, not what we, right. that's not what we do. But based on, because when you think about the country and you're looking at this happens, we know police brutality happens all over the country. At some point, the highest offices in the land, the highest office in the land as far as leadership politically, has to stand up and say enough is enough. What you know? Here's what's going to be done. Um, you know, you get convicted if you're a police officer and you could convicted of doing wrongdoing onto a person, blatant wrongdoing. Hey, you're going to be locked up and we're going to take away your pension, your family. Nobody's going to get that stuff. Something severe. That's just me right. just just speaking. 
Um, But do you think the leadership has an active role with some of the display that we're seeing? I think the leadership has a big role in it. And a lot of times um, you take uh, your old school leadership or your old school way of doing things and then you bring in somebody new who may have a different way of approaching it. Maybe somebody, maybe a new police chief has come in and he's dealing with a department who has a history. And I'll say this, there's a department here and I'm not going to mention it in, in Georgia that has a history of, um, violations and, and policy mm-hmm. and this new chief has come in and he's trying to change it and he, he's, he's working at it but to number one get the officers to buy into it number two to get the support that he needs to make it happen it, it's hard um in certain situations to do that because just like i said just as good as an attorney can work to get a criminal off, he can work to get anybody else off. And, you know, it doesn't mean that the officer was right or wrong. I'm not, I'm not going to say that. I'm just going to say that the system is there and it can be used in any way. It could be used in a good way, it could be used in a bad way. Now, as far as looking at our political leadership, there's two things that I'll, there's two points Hello? I'm going to make. And, Go ahead. Yeah, there's, there's two points that I'm going to make in that. One, and, and a person has to say this, if we either voted that person in office or we didn't vote them in office, meaning you either got out there and voted or you didn't vote. But if you didn't vote, then you can't complain about the person that ended up in office. And that's any political position from your city councilman all the way up to the president. You have to, you have to, um, you have to get out there and you have to vote and you have to put those people in office that are willing to make a difference. And if they don't make that difference, you have to be willing to, you have to be ready to hold them accountable. And when it comes to your local law enforcement, your city councilmen, your local sheriffs, and those people that, that, that have that the public has an active role in getting these people in and out of office, they need to do something. And then, and I say that in a sense of nothing violent, just in the sake of, we need to start holding them accountable to some of these promises that they make, some of the things that they say that they're going to do and the changes that they're going to make. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I agree. That's also uh, not just coming from the, the top office, obviously, um, but also locally. You know, that's why it's so right. important that you, you vote, um, you know, vote for your councilman, find out what their feelings are regarding, mm-hmm. you know, policing and, and, and things like that. Um, and I think we so we, we quickly forget about that because locally, um, you know, you can't ask the, the, the highest, the top dog in the land to say, hey, do this, do that. But locally, and they're going to say it's a local problem. You got to get people right. in there that, that truly believe um, in, in being fair. Um, my thing is this. If you are doing wrong, then you're doing wrong. You know, mm-hmm. you should be locked up if you're doing something that you shouldn't be. But if you're a hardworking person um, like myself or like you that goes to work every day, that abide by the law, um, don't, you're not doing anything intentional. It doesn't give you the right to treat me less than, than, a, than, right. a, than a who I am. So, you know, that's where I think I get upset. That's why I said when I was researching, just looking at some of these videos and things, some of them were questionable where I felt like, okay, I can understand where the police is coming from there because I don't know what this guy's about to do. Some of right. them are just blatant, you know? Right, and, and that's true. Some of them are. Yeah, and the scary thing about it, though, Floyd, is a lot, some of the stuff that was blatant, you know, these police have cameras on them. Some of them even have right. dash cams. Right. And they still, um, 
um, continue to do uh, do these things. So um, that's true. Great, great dialogue and in, in, in talking about that, man. Those Waffle House incidents. Hopefully, you know, I think it was a big thing that the CEO mm-hmm. called that young man and just see how he was doing. Um, you know, yeah. I don't know. You know, you know. And, I, and I, I'm I'm going to say one thing too because we you spoke on statistics for a minute, and I, and I'm going to say this. When you like, okay, I'll use an example. Um, there was a, a there's a city here in in near near uh, Atlanta, Georgia, mm-hmm. where that a statistic came out that sixty eight percent of the uh, officer encounters or officer uh, uh, traffic stops or whatever are of uh, people are usually of African American descent, mm-hmm. but ninety two percent of the city is African American, so it's like statistics can be used in either way it, it can right. be used to to uh explain or help your point or or it can be used to against a, a point that another person may have mm-hmm. so people have to be careful with stats i think the the media and you know a lot of these social media sites when you see a lot of these stats posted they don't look at the opposite end or they don't bring in all the statistics into play Right. You know, and I'm not and I'm not saying it justifies anything because it doesn't on either end. You know, like I said, you know, the people have to understand that there's two sides or there's actually three sides of every story, their side, the other person's side and the truth. And trying to get to that truth sometimes can take a while. Sometimes it's uh, what's the word I want to use? Uh, sometimes the truth is altered. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's just made to fit a certain situation or sometimes it, it's just not there. Right. But I do agree with you that in every situation was a certain amount of force required. No, mm-hmm. but there, but we don't know the details of every situation. And when I say details, I don't just mean what that person could have done. <clears throat> There's a lot that goes into play into um, <clears throat> the uh, thought process of the officer. I mean, some people ain't, ain't made to be in law enforcement. Law enforcement, either you love it or you don't. Right. It's not a job that you just one day say, I need a job and I'm going to go do it. Right. right. So you, you have to kind of, you know, understand that when you're dealing with certain situations and certain people, it, it just depends on the mentality of the person. That's right. And that, and then, you know, I think that goes back to the, uh, why they have psych evaluations, correct? When you're, when right. you do, exactly. you have psych evaluations to see exactly where mm-hmm. you're headed. The only problem with psych evaluations, unfortunately, for those that we know blatantly do things on purpose, um, right. you know, good people, people can come in there and act. They sure can. <laughs> <laughs> Some people can defeat a lie detector. That's, so, that's right. That's right. And, and, and still, uh, and, and get on. And, yeah. um, that's just the way it is. But, um, this, the next incident that we're going to talk about, as we go into our closing of um, the Let's Be Honest podcast, uh, mm-hmm. is the one uh, out of Alpharetta, Georgia, and this is the 65-year-old um, who right. was snatched from her car um, for a traffic violation. Uh, the officer has since resigned, but uh, right. this, again, is uh, courtesy of ABC News. And... Um, just let you let you guys take a listen to this an arrest caught on video and it has led to an internal police investigation yeah the video shows police dragging a grandmother look at this out of her vehicle at a traffic stop after she refused to get out of that vehicle and she is now speaking out and abc's zachary keish joins us with more on this this morning zachary good morning yeah good morning dan and paula it all started with a routine traffic stop north of atlanta but when the woman disputes the ticket things escalate quickly 
You're watching a disturbing traffic stop caught on police dash cam. That woman is 65-year-old grandmother Rose Campbell. Listen to her. I want justice to occur. Mm, true justice with a capital J. She was stopped and ticketed for failing to maintain her lane in Fulton County, Georgia. The incident starts calmly. All right, I see the signature here at the action. I'm saying you're moving. It's what happened shortly after. She refuses to sign the ticket, she says, for fear that it would be an admission of guilt. Move away from me! Hey, this morning, the police department has accepted the resignation of that officer, James Legg, seen here wearing a baseball cap and pulling Campbell from her car. I'm going to be honest with you, I felt violated. Legg, one of six officers seen in this video, was suspended after the incident and resigned one week after. In his resignation letter, Legg says he acted appropriately and in line with how he was trained. I would ask you this, is that how you would treat your grandmother? I need to make it so bad for you. I just wanted to be handled and dealt with correctly according to the measures of law. Georgia law requires drivers to sign their tickets, but former Dallas Police Chief David Brown says this isn't how officers are trained to act. Simply not following your commands is not justification to escalate things to a physical nature. Campbell still in shock. I didn't expect that in America. I didn't expect that in Atlanta. I didn't expect that especially in Alpharetta. The Alpharetta Police Department said that an internal investigation is ongoing and appropriate actions will be taken. Their hope is to move on and rebuild the trust that was lost during this incident. Guys? I would imagine there's some serious damage to trust. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm sure there is. And, uh, you know, we're continuing to see these incidents and, and hopefully by bringing them to light, there's some change that comes with that too. You know? Hopefully. Exactly. exactly. Thank you very much. Really appreciate it. Okay, so that was the uh, that was the clip from from uh, from that one, Floyd. Um, right. Uh, you know, looking at the clip, and uh, a lot of people have seen it. It's been uh, I know it's went viral. It's been on the news. It's been everywhere. Mm -hmm. um, have you heard anything? Uh, have they said that she is she going to be suing Alpharetta Police? Uh, I haven't I haven't heard anything on the local media here about what her intentions are and what she plans on doing. Mm -hmm. Um, nor have I heard anything more than that officer resigning. Okay. So no, I haven't heard anything about that. Okay. What's interesting is he um, resigned. Um, to me, if you felt like you weren't doing anything wrong, and this is just my opinion, mm -hmm. I wouldn't resign. Right. You know? Maybe, maybe it was a situation, and like I say, I don't know, because I don't know how Alpharetta Police does, you know, their disciplinary process is one thing. Mm-hmm. Maybe after, maybe initially he felt like he wasn't wrong and maybe it was a situation where um, it's almost like, and, and I can't really validate this in any way, shape or form. It could be you resign or you're going to get fired. Who knows what the situation could have been. Maybe right. he felt like he needed to resign before he knew what was going to happen. Who knows? Right. So I, I can't say how their process works and I can't say anything like that. But I will point out the one thing that that chief did say that made sense. And, and this is something people need to look at. And when it comes to accountability, just like he said, just because a person didn't follow your command doesn't give you the right to escalate 
to another level of force. Mm-hmm. I mean, you have to look at the totality of the situation. This was a 65 year old woman and you are a trained police officer. So maybe it didn't require that. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not like you were dealing with a guy that was six to, you know, 260 pounds. And you have to feel like your life was being threatened. Then, yeah, you have a right to go to that next level. Or if there's a certain um, if there's certain indicators that this person is giving off that requires you to go to the next level of force, then it could be justified. Mm-hmm. But in that situation, it's like the chief is saying, I'm trying to do something about it. But now I got to go rebuild the trust back of the community that we had because. In Alpharetta, Georgia, the, you know, there's a lot of trust with the police officers there. So I'm not, you know, but as far as the disciplinary process, I can't say anything about why he resigned over, right? you know, whether he was right or wrong and what he, why he chose to do that. I wouldn't know. Yeah. Yeah. Cause she even said, she even said that uh, she was surprised that it would happen in America, but there had to be a good relationship. Cause she said, yet yeah, let alone in Alpharetta. So there's right. gotta be a good standing relationships amongst the community for her to say that. Um, now you, you live in Georgia. Have you ever had any, any encounters with the police during a, during a traffic stop? I never had any negative encounters. Okay. I've had encounters where I felt like, um, there was no proper, real proper cause of pulling me over, Mm -hmm. but I didn't allow it to give me, it didn't make me act a certain way towards that officer. Let's put it that way. Gotcha. You know, I just let him come up, say what he had to say. And there was even incidences where I've gotten tickets that I felt I didn't deserve. And I just chose to go to court about that ticket versus trying to argue about it right then and there. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I think a lot of people don't understand that you do have the option to take any ticket to court. And the only problem with taking it to court is if you decide to take it to court, if it's proven that you're wrong, then the fine may be a little bit higher than what the original ticket would have been. But that's a chance that you have to decide and take it. A lot of people choose not to. Right. I'm right. one. I'm one to go to court if I feel I'm right. Right. And if there are traffic stops, there are a ton of attorneys that are out there right. that can help you, where you don't even have to show up, depending on the right. violation. Uh, that will be exactly. represent that will represent you, and they're very very reasonable because they know these things happen. And usually, right. if it's a ticket, I would say if it's a ticket um, for something as simple as a violation or a seatbelt violation, mm-hmm. they usually can get that reduced for you, and in some instances, right. um, have it so it doesn't impact your license. Um, exactly. I think that we need to think about that a lot of times for a traffic stop. Is it really worth arguing? To your point, arguing with this police right. officer who may just be being a jerk. Um, mm-hmm. over a traffic stop, right? Exactly. There's so much help that you can get out there when it comes to that type of stuff, and it's not worth your time to have something escalate, you know, and and and, and that be a mark on your life, um, right. you know, because of an escalation. Um, right. And, Three and, points on your license will go away mm-hmm. as you go into jail over something simple can hurt you for the rest of your life. That's right. That's right. Um, in closing, let me let me ask you this. What can we do to make sure police in our communities are policing um, correctly? Well, just like anything else, um, and and it's hard. um, I think a lot of people tend to get a little complacent or they take the attitude of things can't change. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, I mean, you have, you know, politicians in place to deal with certain situations. I think a lot of people don't exercise some of the rights that they have in, in, in talking and dealing with their local congressmen or their 
local uh, city councilmen or even their mayor's office because they feel like well, they're protecting the police or they're going to back up the police. And a lot of times that's not true. At the end of the day, um, if these people want to keep their job, then they're going to have to be held accountable to do their job. And what I mean by keep their job, the voters put them in office, the voters could put them out of office. So is you you have to, as Americans, you have to step up and say, well, this is not right. And we need to talk about it. Or maybe if you have suggestions or ideas, maybe you can, you know, bring them to your councilman and maybe we can, maybe they can have forums and, and, and uh, town hall meetings that can help, you know, the situation. I'm not saying it's going to always work, mm-hmm. but taking the approach of nothing's going to change, we know it's not going to work. That's right. Uh, I it, mean, I, I'll say the, the greatest impediment against progress is the old way of thinking. So you can't mm-hmm. change unless you think differently. That's right. That's so true. The other thing is if you have if you have a situation where, you know, like you said earlier um, during the podcast, you know, if you are recording and you, you have a police, you, you have a police officer that, you know, may be violating someone's rights or using mm-hmm. excessive force, um, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, uh, the Internal Affairs Division within the police department allows the, allows you to make uh, complaints as well. I, I believe. I think, exactly. a, I think there's a process, but I there do believe I, I do believe the Internal Affairs Division. And, and for those of you who may not know, Internal Affairs is the people that actually police the police. So whenever right. there's a fatality, uh, if someone's killed. Um, there's a reason why they don't allow the police officers to move, to not touch anything, because you bring in the internal affairs to ensure that that officer had justification for what they were doing. So if you have evidence of something and you feel that something is wrong, you can always do that through their internal uh, affairs division, which all police um, divisions have. Um, you just right. need to find out which one you, you would need to uh, report to. But I think this is a, a great conversation. I think in order for us to get better at these situations, to your point, Floyd, is we have to have dialogue such as this. You have to have platforms where you can go and talk, and all of us right. come together, no matter what the color is, no matter what the race is, come together to discuss these problems so that, hey, if you're on this side of the fence and you don't understand that I'm more than likely to get pulled over more than you are, mm-hmm. you can I can explain that to you and tell you why. you know, And if you say you feel a certain way because of the way I dress or the way that I look, you know, I can get a better understanding of how you feel and we can together figure out how we can come together. Because at the end of the day, it's about making sure that we're all safe because we all want the same thing. That's why people react the way that they react. Um, In closing, man, I appreciate you coming on as my co-host today and giving us a little insight on law enforcement and your opinions, man. I hope to have you come back on to uh, discuss some other stuff, man. Yeah, that's no problem. I'll do that. Yeah, man. I appreciate you having me on. Yeah, I hope you enjoyed it. And uh, for everyone, um, people were asking, uh, just so you know, we are on just about every single platform that's out there. The Let's Be mm-hmm. Honest uh, podcast with Frank Styles. If you have an Android device, you can find mm-hmm. the podcast on Google Play Music. You want to go to podcast and then just put in a search for Let's Be Honest. Subscribe to the uh, episode. Um, mm-hmm. the website is bossradiostation.com and there you can find all of our episodes. Uh, there's a player there that pops right up immediately and you can check okay. out all the episodes there. And then, uh, the last thing just recently, as of yesterday, we are now on Stitcher. So you can download the Stitcher app and put in a uh, search for that, uh, the let's be honest podcast with Frank styles and 
you will uh, you can pull up and subscribe that way. Just on uh, all those platforms, leave comments, uh, give us your opinion. Uh, the website, you can leave uh, comments there as well. And um, you can reach me on all of my platforms. You can catch me on Twitter at FrankStyles1, and that's Styles with S-T-Y-L-Z. Um, right. You can also catch um, follow us on Facebook. Facebook page is Styles Boss Productions, and you can go out there and um, uh, see everything there as well. So with that being said, man, we are out of here, and I hope to hear from you guys soon. I'm Frank Styles, and I want to thank on behalf of Floyd Costner. I appreciate you coming on, man, and we'll talk with you soon. All right, no problem. Thanks, man. Yeah.